0: That's a pretty tough song to sing. Over the years, in my uh, growing up, Dad starting churches up and down the eastern seaboard, in church all the time. And I uh, get older and come across some songs, and there's just songs I wouldn't sing.
1: Gave my life for thee. What hast thou given for me? Hast thou left aught for me? What hast thou borne for me? What hast thou brought to me? The one song I couldn't sing for years was uh, I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. Would not, could not sing it. Oh, what a glorious day it was. When I started too. And when I could. Let me try to get myself composed here so we can start. Nothing like picking a great song there to get me in the right frame of mind.
0: But anyway, um, the message I had intended on preparing and speaking on, something that uh, I'd come across here the last couple months. And I'm not speaking on it tonight, uh, but something the Lord just brought something uh, to my attention and, and revealed to me in, in a great way here this past week, and I'm going that direction. But uh, one day I think I'll get to it, and it's the critical importance of the ministry to children. Reaching children and, and getting the Word of God into children. In uh, showing some examples, and, and I don't think there's anything that's coincidental in the Word of God, but something that, that, that jumped out at me that uh, I thought was fascinating. But what uh, in my regular uh, devotional time this past week I came across a passage of Scripture that jumped out, and I read it and reread it and reread it. And you were talking about uh, looking for a verse of what you say of encouragement, and in, uh, in I found a chapter of encouragement. Before I get there, what I'd like to do, you know, the title of um, the message tonight, I mean, I I was going over and over what could I title this, and I I just want to keep it kind of relatively short, and the title would be, Your Advocate in Action, or Jesus Christ's specific will and desire for you. And uh, before I get into that, one thing I want to touch on in in, in the passage of Scripture is uh, John chapter 17, and we'll get there in just a moment, but in Luke chapter 11, and in, in, in Pastor preached on it, uh, I think a, a, a couple, it took a couple weeks to preach uh, through a specific uh, passage there, and I'm not sure if it was in Matthew and in, in Luke, I'm going to go to Luke 11 and touch on it briefly, uh, but it's something that's always been kind of a uh, uh, burr in my side, uh, not no, what well, Patrick preached, he, he was right on target, but it's the, uh, what's called, commonly called, or what's commonly known as the Lord's Prayer. There in Luke chapter 11, and I don't believe it's uh, the Lord's prayer. Is it something that he had prayed? More that it's, it's the model prayer or as, the, as it begins, that chapter, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven. Our Father. Now, it's become, it's become uh, something that's in religious terms or in in religious realms more of a uh, quaint little saying than what it really is. And I'm not, don't get me wrong, as far as this chapter, it is a phenomenal chapter where Jesus is teaching his followers how to pray, and not so much how to pray, but as far as the, the model or the, the, the rather a template of how to pray, what our prayers should be like, our attitude in and for prayer, the substance or themes of our prayers. And when I do the uh, invocation, yeah, invocation benediction many times at the, at the state police graduations, and I get up to pray, and I get up to pray, I use a lot of the content in the Lord's in I mean the Lord's prayer. It's, it's things that stuck in our mind, isn't it? Where Jesus Christ had taught His disciples how to pray. but when I get up, I never use the term our Father because number one, I've got like 700, 800 people here from all walks of life, from all religions, from everywhere that I have no clue if God in heaven is their Father. I don't even get up and say, let us pray, because I have no clue who's dealing here. I just get up, and I'll say, my father, and then you go, on through, you go on from there. But um, John 17, if you're there, we'll get to it in just a moment as far as reading on it, shows us the real and true Lord's Prayer, a prayer that he himself prayed for his disciples, his followers, believers that are in Christ What is commonly known as the Lord's Prayer, as far as in Luke 11 and also in in, uh, Matthew, is not a prayer that Jesus Christ himself ever prayed or would ever pray. Because to do that, he would, in, in reality, kind of destroy his deity. He would make himself on the same level of lost sinners. He never, when he prays, he never states our Father. He told them to pray our Father. That is to people that are followers or to believers or to those as far as mankind that are lost, that have been regenerated, Jesus Christ was never in that condition. His Status as far as he and the Father is not the same as our status between us and our Father in Heaven. He never used the term our Father when he prayed. He's teaching. When it comes to John 17, reveals for the followers of Jesus Christ exactly what his will and desire is for them. 17 reveals Jesus Christ is the high priest that he is, who is ever making intercession for us. Romans uh, 834b, we have studied before, but it is Christ that died, yea rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. John seventeen reveals that Jesus was making intercession for us even before he died. Over the years, and I'm sure pastors uh, come across it with young people, but over the years, people have asked me, how do you know what the will of God is? in a specific situation. And I know as a general rule, people are wanting to know, how can I know what God's will is for my life in relation to what God wants me to do as far as, as a career or in the, to go into the ministry or to be a missionary? I understand where there's coming from, but a long time ago I realized that the question that needs to be asked, it's more specific or pinpointing, is... Are we already doing the specific will of God that he has already revealed to all those he has quickened and been born again spiritually? Because I've realized if we're doing what God wants us to do to start with, what he wants us to do in life becomes an easy understanding decision. It's not hard at all to come to that conclusion if we're already obedient to start with. If you're truly born again, now a child of God, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and you have been spiritually quickened, then what this prayer of Jesus Christ reveals is what his heart's desire and will for your life. Before we get uh, to reading this chapter, I want to go ahead and just take a moment to, to have a word of prayer. Father, I pray be with me now, Lord, as we go over this chapter. May we understand what your heart's desire is, what your role is in our life, what you want for us, what you desire for us to become or to understand or to realize or to live. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. uh, I'm going to go ahead and read the entire chapter and then come back and give you seven points. Now that sounds really long, and one thing I learned when I was kind of studying, it's like this really needs to be a series of seven messages as far as to hit these seven points. So pretty much we're going to be brief tonight, because I know that each point could just be brought out so much deeper, and of course we don't have that kind of time. But starting in verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come, glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should have eternal life to as many as thou hast given him, and this life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifest thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst sent me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me. For they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine and I am glorified in them. I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee, Holy Father. Is that not where Jesus Christ is the only, not not the only one, that God the Father is the only one that can be addressed as Holy Father? Yet there are some religions that have the audacity to put that title on a human, a sinful human of Holy Father and many other titles that are only reserved either for Jesus Christ or for God the Father himself. But Jesus Christ says, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now I come to thee, and these things I speak to the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word, and the the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldst take them out of the world, But thou shouldst keep them from evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which believe on me through their word, that they may As hast loved me. Father, I will that they also, whom Thou hast given me, be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which Thou hast given me. For Thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known Thee, but I have known Thee, and these have known that Thou hast sent Me. And I declare unto them Thy name, will declare it and the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Seven things, and I'll be honest with you, I think eight had hit me when I went back to review it. I couldn't come up with that eighth one that had hit me earlier. But there's seven things that uh, I believe here in Jesus' prayer that he prays for us specifically. And I believe one of the first ones there is found in verse 11 and 12. And it's, Jesus prays for your security. For your security, the Father would keep you secure. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to Thee, Holy Father. Keep through Thine own name those whom Thou hast given Me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in Thy name. Those that Thou gavest Me, I have kept, and none of them is lost. Jesus Christ prays for us; and prays on our behalf to the Father that he would keep us. Secondly, verse 13, Jesus prays that his joy will be your joy as well. And now I come to thee, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. The will of Jesus Christ is that his joy will be real and complete in our life. The question is, do we, do you live a joyful life presently in this life of yours today? One of the things that has many times, and, and to me it's just obvious, it's given. We're, we're all, I think we all have seen over and over again the abundance of Christians that just seem to have so many issues of habitual. I'm not talking about now and then where we're discouraged or we're disappointed or we're grieving. I'm not referring to any of that. I'm talking about on a consistent basis, somebody that claims to be a Christian is living a life so defeated and so depressed that, I don't know, I maybe I, I don't have the compassion that I should. I, I know... Too many times I don't. That's just part of my flesh that I need to get a grip on. But it's just, they're so medicated. I'm talking about an extended through their life. I'm not talking about just on the present. And there's just a lack of joy that is ever-present, that something is just not right. In the Jesus Christ desire, and he prayed here before he ever died, before he becomes classified as far as, standing before the Father as our advocate, that here right now he's advocating for all people that that believe in him, whether it was before he died or after, as far as born again, all believers in Christ. Nehemiah 8.10, For this day is holy unto the Lord, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. When we sing about the joy of the Lord, do we really mean it? Um, I, I, there's no question, and, and I don't know, I, I think a lot of Christians, a lot of people believe that singing a song doesn't mean anything, that we're not going to be accountable. But words are words, and the Bible says we will be accountable for the words that we say, whether we say it, whether we're speaking it or whether we're singing it. And We really need to have, we really need to be concerned about our words I think too often many people will not say something but they'll sing it in a heartbeat and it's like there's gonna be a, there's gonna be a payday someday number three Jesus Christ prays for your sanctification as you live in this world verse 14 through 19 I've given them unto thy word and the world hath hated them but drop down here to verse uh, 17 we've heard, we've seen it so many times. Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Sanctifier to be holy. The will of Jesus Christ is that you live a sanctified and holy life through the power and might of God's written word in you. We know Hebrews 4:12. We know Second um, Timothy 3:15 through17, uh, very well that it, as far as dealing with the Word of God and how it should work in our life and bring us to a place of holiness and sanctification. Number four, Jesus Christ prays for you to be a blessing to others. Verse 20, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. In other words, as Christians, we're living our life in a way that people want to know why, is he, they, why are they different? And when we tell them, it draws them to Jesus Christ. It draws them to Jesus Christ. The will of Jesus Christ is that you strive to be a blessing to other people by your testimony, witness, and hear by your own words that they may be reached. Uh, Psalms 126.6 is talking about as far as going forth, bearing precious seed. If we just don't bear it. We're, we're speaking it. We're telling people so we can come back again very joyfully bringing what we've sown or what we've what we've reaped because we've told people. Uh, 1 Peter 4.11, If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do so, do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, whom be praised and dominion forever and ever. Uh, Matthew 5.6, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Number five, Jesus Christ prays that you will have a spirit of unity. Verse 21 and 22, and you can revert back, there's another cross reference there, there's verse 11 at the latter part. But 21, that they may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they may, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. There at the bottom of verse uh, 11 there. It goes that they may be one as we are. In Philippians 1.27, the Apostle Paul instructed that we are to not only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Now, I personally believe that the King James Bible is a relatively modern translation as far as our English, as well as a um, deeper English that is not used a lot today. I understand that the conversation here is referring to our lifestyle, but today, in this day and age, it's also going to be our conversation that we're speaking, not only our lifestyle, but what we say. That your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit. I know pastors mentioned it over and over to me in private. I don't recall him saying something from the pulpit. But as far as you know, being a chaplain and being around other people that profess to be Christians, and he's ridden with numerous. Say, I don't ride with. I have no interest in riding with another police officer. I got to live it, so I'm you know. Why would I want to ride with somebody? But he rides with them all the time. And he's oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. And the next thing, they're just spewing out all kinds of profanity. Well, it's part of the job. No, I don't use profanity. It's not part of the job. If you claim to be a Christian, let your conversation be that as becometh the gospel of Christ. This spirit of unity should always, among many other important objectives, be at the forefront of each Christian church member's life in our interactions and relationships within our church. The um, unity does not mean one hundred percent agreement, one hundred percent of the time. Unity means that we have a heart, an attitude, a mindset of regardless. We need to be unified. Now, obviously, if there's something that's radically, grossly off. As far as scripturally, that's another point uh, that Jesus Christ did come into the world to to bring division, and this Bible divides. But aside from that, as far as having a heart, as far as being one with Jesus Christ, with the Father, that, that our mentality, that our attitude is, we need to be unified, one purpose, one objective. Um, we have we have a we're to be used of the Lord. And when the Lord is at the center, everything should go smooth. It will never be realized without the Bible being each individual's solid foundation, final authority and faith and practice, from the pastor down. And uh, when that's the case in a church, unification, as far as the spirit of unity, is present. And like you mentioned before, one of the things that I've seen in this church is a unified spirit. Not 100% agreement, but as far as a unified spirit, of, there's an objective, there's a purpose, there's a goal. Let's be working towards it. And that's a blessing. Point number six. Jesus Christ prays for you to behold Christ's glory. There in verse 24. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which Thou hast given me, for Thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. This is a point that could uh, use some serious research. I've got a couple passages. The um, I'm skeptical as far as how well they apply here, though, as far as. What's written as far as that God, Jesus Christ, wants us to behold his glory. But in 2 Corinthians 3.18, But we all, with open face beholding, as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning us all who are in Christ, that we no longer see the natural man of this wicked world when we look into a mirror, but that our life should reflect Jesus Christ. Now, obviously, when we get up in the morning and we look in the mirror, we're still going to see the flesh and blood of who we are. But when we look in our eyes and when we look at that, can we say that we're right with God or do we have sin in our life? When we look in our face, we say, are we living like we should be? Are we where we should be? Now, of course, the greatest, the most important thing is that when people see us, do they see Jesus Christ in our life? Do we reflect Jesus Christ? Uh, more so than, have, you know, we can have the danger of having a high opinion. But if we know the Word of God and we know Scripture, we know when we're not right and when we're right. We know when our attitude's right, when our heart's right, if we got sin in our life. It's, it's, it's in James 1, 20, 22 through 24. But be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only. Deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. Number seven, Jesus Christ prays for you to be possessed with God's love. Verse 26. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Back up uh, there in chapter 16 of John, there in verse 27, For the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me, and hath believed that I came out out from the Father. What is the first and greatest commandment? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind. And if we love Jesus Christ as he should be loved and as he deserves to be loved, I mean, what is all the impact as far as dynamics, as far as this verse that the love wherewith you thou has loved me may be in them? It's, like I say, a lot of this is, each point could be studied far more in detail. But it's a matter of just, when when God is in love with you, how far great a protection that is. As born again believers and disciples of Jesus Christ, have we grasped just how much Jesus loves us and wants the best for us? Do we love him in return as we should? Do we grasp the fact that Jesus Christ is truly advocating for us? And we've we've heard that, that. He's our advocate now. But when I read this chapter over, and it's like, here, even before he died, he was advocating for those that were following him, for those that loved him or accepted him or believed him. May we strive to be hears. There's so many Christians that don't even hear. But be hearers of the word, and not only hearers, of course, but obedient. Obedient to what we hear as far as in the word of God. Pastor, thank you for this time. We go ahead and pray. Dear Father, thank you for this time, dear Lord. Thank you for Pastor allowing me to speak. Lord, thank you for this chapter that you've given us. Thank you for knowing your heart's desire, Lord, and uh, learning the real Lord's Prayer. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. You would stand at your seats with heads bowed and your eyes closed. uh, Brother John wasn't here this morning, obviously, because they were over there with the grandkids. But if that sounded familiar, there was a lot of points that he touched on that was exactly what I talked about this morning. And uh, it's not a coincidence, you know. Uh, maybe that's what somebody needs to hear. And um, I don't know how the Holy Spirit's broken in your heart, but if He has, as the piano plays, the invitation is
1: open. You can come. <laughs>